0: If you'll join me now in the book of Matthew chapter seventeen there's a what a what a uh, a loaded chapter this has been uh, for me. We begin chapter seventeen of Matthew with Jesus taking Peter James, and John with him and going up onto a mountain where there literally they saw Jesus transformed transfigured, and there's with him speaking of his soon to be uh Crucifixion and resurrection appeared two of the Old Testament saints, but there on the mountain, Moses and Elijah spoke with Jesus about what was going to happen, and Peter and James and John were there with him. And then, after they come down off the mountain, they're confronted with a with a young uh, with a father and an only son, a young man who is tormented and and uh, afflicted by uh, demonic uh, powers. And he's come for help and they can't help him. So Jesus deals with that. And that brings us to verse 22 is where we're going to start today. Uh, And and one of the most uh, awesome, I guess one of my favorite stories and I like them all. But this is probably my best fish story of all of scripture. And uh, let's let's read it and then let's go back. There's at least three lessons that I think jump off the page uh, at me. And at us, as we, as we look at these last few verses in chapter 17, let's look at them. And while they abode yet in Galilee, Jesus said to his disciples, remember the transition now his, he has stepped back from public ministry and miracles, which he did had been doing. And now as he is drawn nearer and nearer to the time of his crucifixion and resurrection, he is, he is focusing and preparing primarily the disciples, for what's gonna happen and for the transition of what's gonna happen after he's crucified and then after he goes back to the Father. So he's, he's sharing with them, the Son of Man, he said, shall be betrayed into the hands of men and they shall kill him and the third day he will be raised again. And now the disciples are understanding more and more and they were exceedingly sorry. Uh, they they were, were beginning to understand, they would understand obviously more fully As time as it as it happened, but they were grieving over this, and then uh, when they were come to Capernaum, they received tribute. They that received tribute money came to Peter and said, "Does not your master pay tribute?" And he said, "Yes." And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, "What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers?" And Peter said to him, "Of strangers." And Jesus said, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast in a hook, take up the fish that first comes up, and when you have opened his mouth, you'll find a piece of money, take that and give unto them for you and for me. Lord, now let your Holy Spirit be our teacher this morning, Lord, opening the word of God that's God-breathed, Lord, to our minds and to our hearts, and Lord, so that we, uh, Lord, that you would be doing in us all that you desired. Uh, to do in us so that we would become the people of God you want us to be. In Christ I pray. Amen. Some uniqueness about this miracle. One is is Matthew is the only gospel. A lot of the miracles are recorded in, in two or three or some of them all four. But this is, Matthew is the only one that records this miracle. Now it doesn't mean that's not significant, it doesn't mean it's not true because it is true, it's in God's word. It's interesting though that, remember what Matthew's, career path had been before he became a follower of Christ? He was a tax collector, okay? So this, uh, this, Matthew's the only one that records this. It's the only money, I mean, it's the only miracle that Jesus performed that involves money. Now, that's, uh, that was interesting to me. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you know, if you could just do all miracles, do everything, man, you think about what, you, anyway. Uh, it's also the only miracle uh, that Jesus did that I can see that involves only one fish. Remember, I, I mean, he did the miracle of feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of 4,000 and involved a multitude of fish. He had, he had, when they cast their nets and there's a multitude of fish, but this one's only one fish. So there's a lot of things that we can learn that makes it unique, but let's, let's look at these three lessons. Capernaum Uh, is it was uh, located right on the the edge of the sea of galilee uh i was there with some with jefferson jefferson 1993 and they they took us and maybe if you've been there they they take you as they tour around and there's some ruins and they actually took us and said we believe this is where peter's house was so capernaum was peter's hometown it's where he lived and I believe, as we as we look at these uh, this interchange this morning, it's very very possible, almost likely, that it took place in Peter's house and in, on his doorstep. And uh, what happened is, as as Peter gets to his house, obviously the Lord and some of the others are inside. But as Peter's getting ready to go in, that those who received tribute money. Now this was different than the Roman tax. Okay, the Romans taxed and. Uh, we see, remember Zac- Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, and, and they got their money. They made money by collecting more than what the Romans demanded than paying the Romans theirs. But this was a temple tax that goes all the way back to Moses. And Moses had had uh, decreed that every Jewish male over 20 years old, once a year, would would contribute uh, a, a portion that would, that would help the maintaining you know, of their of the, their worship and their religion. And it was, a, it was a half a shekel. Now, and maybe depending on how the translation, but just for a general ideal, a half a shekel is about 50 cents, okay, of our money today. So every year, uh, every Jewish man, 20 years old and older, would have to give 50 cents for the upkeep of, uh, of the temple. As Peter's getting ready to go in his house, those who receive the tribute, said to Peter, your master pays the tribute, temple tax, don't he? Now, they could have asked Jesus if they had wanted to know what if Jesus did or not, but their intention was not, they, they were out to get Jesus, right? It reminds me of a lot of the politics that's going on today. Uh, it seems like everybody's always wanting to try to trip someone up. And so they were trying to trip up Jesus. They were trying to catch him doing something wrong that would discredit him. And so they... they Catch Peter right at his, he's going to his house, and they say, "Said your, your, your master pays temple tax, don't he?" And Peter, like Peter, why? Sure, he does. And I can see this just as plain as day. Peter said, "Well, yeah, he pays." And he's walking. I think he does. <laughs> yeah, you know, or yeah. I hope he does. But and so he responded, "Well, sure, Jesus does. If everybody's supposed to pay, Jesus pays." And then we uh, we he, Peter goes and he opens the door, and as he goes into the house, and. Um, Verse 24, uh, verse 25 says, as, as he was going in, wait a minute, let me back it up. Uh, and when they were saying, sorry, when they were coming to Capernaum, they asked him and he said, sure does. And he said, and when he was coming to the house, verse 25, when he come into the house, King James says, Jesus prevented him. Uh, doesn't does make a lot of sense to us. What other translations got there? Huh? Anticipated. Jesus anticipated what else? some other translation? He was the first to speak. Jesus was the first to speak. Now it brings me to lesson number one. God knows everything. God knows everything. Jesus uh, knew what had happened, but the conversation outside the door before Peter came into the house, Jesus knew that. Um, there's a word for this of, of God being all-knowing. It's a big religious word, and it's omniscient. omniscient. I don't know how you spell that, with mine looks like omniscience. I have no idea, <laughs> but, it's, but it's omniscient, and it means that God knows everything. Jesus knows everything. Now, that, that can be, um, that be concerning. Disconcerting might even be a, a, a word for that. There's a... a When I was thinking about this and thinking about him knowing everything, I thought of, uh, and I've seen this on some dining room or kitchen walls. Some of you may have this little plaque. And it says, God is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener at every conversation. Ooh, God is the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener at every conversation. Would that change much if we comprehended that and, and you know to to know that uh, that the conversations you have with your with your spouse with your kids with your family with your friends or with your neighbors that everything we say not only that scripture tells us that even what we think I wasn't gonna go there that that God knows that he's aware of that now it, it can be really disconcerting con- but it can also be really comforting because think about this and i've said this often god knows what you are going through you, we sit here and uh, you know on sunday mornings and we we greet each other and we smile and, and that's good and we clean up and we daub deodorant and that's really good i mean we we look good we smell good uh but the truth is that you may be here this morning there there was a there was a, You know, the first service, Jeff told you about Carolyn May, this little two-year-old that had the liver transplant and it failed and it's got a week and a half. And the parents know, I mean, the parents are saying, we know if if there's another donor, that means that some other parents have to lose a child. Uh, And how do you pray? But if we don't get a donor, then our child, how do you pray? And some of you know, it may not be to that degree, but you're sitting here, some of you are sitting here and maybe there's a few people that check in on you Uh, regularly or or touch base with you and they know what you're going through Uh, but maybe they're not maybe you're a person that kind of internalizes everything and you keep it to yourself and and you and you know and 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 you're trying to just figure this all out and satan all the time he'll he'll tell us well nobody knows and nobody cares i mean it's a fine line in a a few minutes uh, the deacons will come and serve our communion and it's a fine line that the deacons, and I appreciate them so much that they walk because you, you want to check in on, they want to check in call or touch base with the with people that, that they serve. But if they, if they check too much, people say, well, that knows you, I don't want you in my business. You know, I'll call you if I need you. And then there are other people that if they don't check in, they say, well, they don't care. So they walk this line, and so for, with some, they, they try to say, oh, try, you know, they try to learn and accommodate with those that need to be touched base with on a regular basis, just to let them know they care. Another other one, they, they give them a wide berth and say, we're here. Everyone's while you know, I just want you to touch base. We're here if you, if, if you need us. Well, Jesus knows everything about us, and he knows those needs. He knows the ones that you think maybe a lot of people don't know, but he knows, and he cares, but it's 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 neat. He knows it now. Having anticipated uh, uh, what what Peter, what they've they've asked Peter, then Jesus says, "Peter, what do you think? What what do you think? Who who pays this? Who pays taxes or who pays tribute? Is that of the children or is that of strangers?" And Peter, in verse twenty six, quickly responds. He says, "Well, Lord," he says, uh, uh, "the children." I mean, the strangers, the children don't, but the strangers. And then Jesus says to him, then are the children free. Now, I wrote a capital F-R-E-E. And if you have a highlighter, I would highlight it. Or you might put a line in under Or you might circle that. Uh, and I imagine when Jesus says that, Peter's eyes light up. yeah. I'm going to go out and tell them we're free. We don't have to pay that stuff. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 Peter, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, uh, there's more that I want to tell you about this freedoms that God has given us. There's two more lessons. And it's in, that, in, in the last verse, verse 27. The, 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 and I'm going to kind of go at it in reverse order of the, of the verse. The second lesson that I want to know, lesson number one was God knows all and the big word for that is Omniscient. omniscient but look at this now look at this in verse 27 not only does God know all but our Lord is all powerful and there's a big word for that what is it omnipotent omnipotent it means that there's nothing too difficult for God to do he's in control Remember the storms in Galilee? Boy, some of y'all, we had a storm yesterday, right? It came up quick. Uh, Pope called us and they had uh, the trees across the road. Their power was out. Uh, and so, some of you, uh, Frank, big trees in, in his, down at his house. Quickly, Jesus now was out on the Sea of Galilee and he could speak to the storm. Hey, calm down. Whew. You know, imagine that. Imagine a storm coming. If Jesus was necessary, if he, needed to, he, could say, he could say to the storm, just come down. The winds and the waves obey him. We say that. All nature obeys him. We're going to look at this story, this fish story. And in this fish story, we're going to see the power of God uh, in another way displayed. But it's important to know that he not only knows everything, and he cares, but he is able to do anything. He is all-powerful. The impossible situations in our lives, no problem with God. Look at what, look at what happens here. Uh, he tells them, he says, and, 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 and I guess just, just know this, and it's, and it's pretty cool, what Jesus tells Peter to do. Jesus didn't have the money to pay his taxes, or, or at least if he did, he was not reaching his pocket and getting it. He's, he's using this to, uh, for a lesson to Peter of how God can supply, how God can meet needs in our life as he's as he's doing this Uh, and and just to know that there's a verse philippians 419 that we got to look at we just got we got to can't forget philippians 419 says but my god shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by christ jesus now i know that's probably got to be a typo right because what, what it really is probably should say is that, but I know that my God is going to apply most of our needs in his time and his way. Is that what that says? It's not, is it? It's not what it says at all. But my God shall supply all your needs. Okay, God's going to meet your needs. But what if, but what the writer of this was saying that, my, that his God was going to supply my needs? And not just some of them. I, best I can figure out, God meant all. He said all, and that's what, it, that's what it means. I want you to read this with me, and I want us to personalize it just a little bit. I want us to say, but my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Would you read that with me? But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now some of you are pulling one of them Lily Manili Vanelli things on me, ain't that the ones that lip sync this stuff? It's kind of like those B, B uh, Japanese movies of uh, King Kong. And you know the the mouse out of sync. Now come come on, listen. Either either this is true, or it's not. And what Buddy was saying about our Sunday school curriculum, those the foundation Genesis, either God's word or is entirely true. Our statement of faith said that we believe in the original language that God's word is inerrant, infallible, the only inspired word of God. That means it is true. We base not only our lives on that but our eternity, our soul's uh, destination on the truth of God's word. And if God's word can, and what's happened today, and this is just a sidebar here that uh, Buddy was referring to, When we start chipping away at the credibility of God's word in one area, it weakens the foundations in all. And so when the foundations become weak and it begins to crumble, then it's only one man's opinion versus another man's opinion. And then it becomes a matter of, well, what does the majority think? God's word is never at the whim of what the majority thinks. Because God's word is yay, yay, and amen, and it'll all be solid. So this this verse is true or it's not true? And you, if you believe this is true, read it like it's true and let's personalize it. But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, his storehouse is never deplenished. It's, you know, it never runs dry. His, according to his riches, his riches are bountiful. Well, God uh, said to Peter, hey, Peter. I know about that conversation out there. He knows everything. But now God has said, now, Peter, I want you to get a hook and go down to the, to, the sea of, to, the, to the Sea of Galilee. And I want you to catch a fish. I want you to take up the first fish that bites. And I want you to catch it. And when you catch it, open its mouth. And in its mouth, you're going to find a coin and go pay our taxes. Now, I got to tell you this. Fish story. I was thinking about it. When I, every time I read this story, I think it was it was... 1960, 60, 66, somewhere in there, 65. It was late spring. It was probably still right at the end of February, first of March. It had been, there had been a snow on the ground. And Larry remembers this. Uh, I was trying to, I started to call you and ask you the date because we got a picture of Claude and Daddy. Uh, but there were still little patches of snow, but it'd been a pretty day up in the 60s. And so Claude and Daddy, like, like all good helping men, they said, let's go and fishing. So they took off down to the Red Top Barn bass fishing. And, and one of the most amazing fish stories and fish days, Larry and I usually got to dig bait and we would go with them sometimes. I, we weren't along on that trip. Uh, but they, just in a matter of minutes, they, they got down there and got into a school of bass. The largest one, I think, was close to 10 pounds. Smallest one was about two and a half. And, and, and they had, had their picture in the local paper of this, the poundage of all the bass they caught just in a matter of minutes. And then it just stopped. The school moved on. But what, I, what amazing, but what I want to share was, I'll never forget, uh, Claude was, they were cleaning the, the, the fish, skinning the bass, and cleaning them, and in the stomach of, this, of the largest fish, never forget, was a pair of tweezers. Just looked brand new, look brand new. And all we could imagine is, maybe somebody had those in a boat, I don't know, and they fell out of a boat, and as they were falling to the bottom, it must have looked like a, a fish and this bass inhaled it. Now, I think of that every time I read this story. That's just a sidebar. <laughs> As your pastor gets older, you put up with stories like that every once in a while. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Bless him. <clears throat> All right. Now, and I, it, was, it was interesting. Some, I told you one time that somebody said, if you want a good life, read a commentary on Scripture. All right. So on this verse 27 one of the commentaries said, Jesus said, Peter, go get a hook. Now, there's different ways. Peter was a commercial fisherman, and we see this in Scripture. We know that he fished with nets most of the time. Matter of fact, the other time, he, they're cleaning their nets. They fished with nets because that's how you catch the fish, man. You know, that's how you really haul them in, and if you're going to sell them. Well, Jesus says to Peter, I want you to get a hook. I want you to go down and catch the first fish that bites with the hook. And in his mouth, you're going to find this coin. Take the coin and go pay our tax. One of the commentaries said what Jesus really meant was, Peter, go get your net, catch some fish, sell what you catch to pay for our taxes. And I just rolled. You know why he said that? Because this guy's God is not big enough to do it the way Jesus did it, yeah? He's trying to figure it out. Isn't that kind of the way we do, though, we do things? Well, you know, I can imagine this. God told, uh, Jesus tells Peter to do this and Peter said, a hook. Yep, Peter wants you to go get a hook. I got a net, Lord, I know, but this time I want you to get a hook. Okay? And, uh, and when you catch that, open its mouth. Well, okay, but Lord, if I catch it on a hook, its mouth's going to be open when it bites the hook, right? Yep, yep, it's going to be that way, Peter. And there's going to be a coin in there. Now, Lord, he's going to bite the hook, and I'm going to bring him in, and there's going to be a coin in there. That's what I'm going to do. I can imagine Peter leaving said now. He probably didn't mean for me to get a hook. That just don't make sense. I'll get a net and this one. You know, we do God that way. And Jesus wants me to do what? That don't make sense. I won't do it that way. But I'm sure that he probably meant for me to do it this other way. No. When we think about that God is not only all-powerful, all-knowing, but he is all-powerful, he can do it any way he wants to. And sometimes he does it. The way that cannot be explained any other way. So I could I could really get off on this, but there, lesson three is, is 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 it gets gooder and better. It's like Barbie's cooking; it just gets gooder and good and better and better. But I did, I could I could really see Peter, you know, and, and going to the house, honey. There's a net. honey. Where did I put that fish hook? Well, honey, why do you need a fish hook? You got your net. No, Jesus said I need the hook. Where'd the hook at? Get a hook. And I could see him going down saying, hook. I'm fishing with a hook. People saying, Peter, what are you doing? I'm going to go, I'm fishing. Well, why are you fishing? Because I'm going to pay my taxes. Now, I love that part. <laughs> I love that part. April 14th, going in, honey, I just, we just come from our, our tax guy CPA, and I'm going fishing. You're doing what want, I'm going fishing. You got to be kidding me. Is it that good? Nope, ain't got any money. But the fish, I'm going to catch a fish. You're going to be money in his mouth. Yeah, Peter goes, and, and don't you want to see this? How in the world does, a, obviously the fish doesn't swallow the hook or it swallowed the coin. So he catches it, hooks in his mouth, he unhooks it, opens his mouth up, and there is that coin. But we'd say maybe a silver dollar, okay? I, it wasn't a silver dollar, it was whatever, they had a shekel. I don't know what that is, but anyway, comparable to our silver dollar. Takes it, and I can imagine, here this fish is, it's not hurt because the hook it didn't swallow it. And uh, Perry, I don't know if he, Peter kissed that fish and put it back in. I'll try you again. <laughs> Go back in there, big guy. Or what? But he takes the, he takes the coin and goes and pays their taxes. We want God, Jesus wants us to know that he not only is all-knowing, and the word for that is omniscient, but he is all-powerful. And the word for that is omnipotent. He can do anything. But, but I want us to back up. And I told you I was going to take verse 27 in reverse. There's something here in in this first part of 27 that's absolutely amazing to me. Not what Jesus tells Peter. When when Jesus says to Peter, then the children are free. And Jesus was saying to Peter, we're free, Peter. Peter." And Peter was excited. He wanted to go let them know they were free. They didn't have to pay that. And Jesus said, no, hang on a second. Notwithstanding, hang on a minute. Jesus says, lest we should offend them. Peter we don't want to we don't want to be a a hindrance we don't want to be a stumbling block to those guys out there what you just got talking about us being free we are free Peter but we're not free to to do as we want to do well then what's the use of this freedom there's, there's a couple of three verses I want to throw up at you I want to talk about this. Because lesson number three, one is that God is all-knowing. Two is that God is all-powerful. And, and lesson number three, after first service, uh, somebody come up and said, He is always thinking of others. Got it. Jesus is always thinking of others. How is it going to affect others? How is it going to affect their walk? How is it's going to affect what they see in the gospel? Let me throw some verses up at you. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty <clears throat> wherewith Christ hath made us free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Verse 13. <clears throat> for brethren, you've been called to freedom, to liberty. Only don't use this liberty or this freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, let me, let me give you the jury health and paraphrase of this. And, and when we come to Christ and when we ask him to save us, according to scripture, if we ask, with a repentant heart and if we ask in, sincerely and truth, he will forgive us our sins, the penalty of sin. Scripture says, for everybody's sin, there's none righteous, Romans 3.10, none righteous, no, doubt. run, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And comes short of the glory of God. But verse 6, 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 23 says, but the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, there's a flip side, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we're saved, God saves us from the penalty of sin. We're no longer under that death sentence We'll die physically, but we really will never die spiritually. We really won't die. If you look at John chapter 11, verse 25, when he's talking about, to Mary and Martha about Lazarus, okay? Uh, they that believe, and he said, we'll never die, okay? So we, we, we look at this. We've been set free from the penalty of sin. We've been set free from the power of sin because the Holy Spirit dwelling within us gives us the strength and the ability to let him live his life through us. And then we know one day that he will even, even deliver us from the very presence of sin when we are with him in heaven for eternity, okay? But until then, we walk in this freedom. But like I said, it's not freedom, and this is what the writer of Galatians is saying. But he sets us free not so we can do what we want to do. And so people say, well, what, shoot, what's the use of being free from all this stuff if, I can't, if I'm not free to do what I want to do? He sets us free, not to do what we want to do, but he sets us free so that we are empowered to do what we should do, what he's called us to do. And so I read this, only don't use this freedom to do what I want to do. Mm. Let me give you a couple more verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Take heed, lest by any means this liberty or this freedom of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Now, it seems to be in scriptures that there's this principle that the strong are always catering to the weak. If a brother's weak and what you're doing in your freedom, God's given you the liberty and freedom to do that, but if you do that, it's going to cause them to stumble, don't do it. And we're thinking, well, shoot. If I'm free and I'm all this freedom, I'd be king of the mountain, so I can do what I want so I can be king of the mountain. No, that's not what it is. We're missing it. I'll tell you a story real quick. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and you've heard me say that, but again, at my age, I get to repeat these stories and you just say, he's doing it again. But you've heard this story. I, I was a young, young pastor, just a house of prayer, just first, I don't know, hadn't been pastoring long. <clears throat> and, and I grew a mustache, my first attempt at growing a beard. Grew a mustache. At that point, it was black. looked good. It was cool. Had, had black sideburns down to here. Had a head full of black hair. Some of you have to take that by faith. All right? You're just going to look, yeah, all right. But, uh, and even my grandkids, you know, they, they see pictures of when I had hair and they don't know who it is. But, but we remember. But so this first attempt. So I grew this mustache. It was cool. I was cool. It was awesome. And, and one of my good friends, older gentleman in the church, and he came up to me one Sunday. After service, and he said, jury, he said, I couldn't hear words you said this morning. And I'm thinking he's going he's to tell me we need to get some hearing devices or, or, or he's going to need help with a hearing aid. And I said, man, what's, what's going on? He said, I couldn't hear a word you said for that hair on your lip. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't remember what I said then, wasn't much, but I do remember that later going home. And when I went home and telling Barbie, I, I reminded me of Ahab going to tell Jezebel. You remember when Ahab wanted to buy that vineyard that was next to his and the guy wouldn't sell it to him and Ahab goes home pouting. Ah, they won't sell me, I'm the king and he won't sell me what I want. Remember that? I must have sounded just that way. Barbie, I'm the pastor, I, I grew up mustache, I'm cool. Look, it's black, it's black, I, I'm cool. And now he says he can't hear a word I say because it's mustache. And I going to say, he needs to get a life. <laughs> he needs to get a life. And I told the Lord that. And I told the Lord, this mustache has got nothing to do with his, you know. Man, other people have mustaches and they're not sinners, you know. <clears throat> why can't I have a mustache? I'm past. why can't I have a mustache? And I argued with the Lord all week long. And every time I tried to talk to the Lord about this, man, I was trying, you know, I'm telling him, man, Lord, I'm free, right? I'm free. I can grow a doggone mustache, Every time i tried to talk to the Lord about that, the Lord wouldn't talk to me. And so it, it, it's quickly, the Lord turned it around. He does this to me. It no longer was a matter of the mustache. It was a matter of my heart. Jerry, are you meaning to tell me that you growing hair on your lip is more important than him hearing the word that I've got for him to hear? Oh, go Jesus, don't do that to me. Right? You know what I'm saying? Does he ever do this to you? George, you saved me. I can listen to what I want to listen to. I watch what I want. I'm free, right? And God says, uh, how's it going to affect your friends? Are they going to look at you and say, well, if they're, if they're, part, if they're, if they're a Christian and they do this, then maybe I can do that. And we don't, you know, and we want to tell the Lord, Lord, deal with them, straighten them out. They need to get right. And all Jesus wants to do is deal with me. So all week long, I'd go in that, that week and I'd shave and I'd leave that mustache. And every, all I'm shaving and the Lord said, well, what about the mustache? And I'm saying, well, what about so-and-so? <laughs> get him saved, get him sanctified, fill him in the Holy Spirit, and my beard won't bother him. Yeah. Friday night, Saturday night, shaved, walked into the living room and the mustache was gone. And Barbara said, well, what'd you do? I said, I got my heart right. Right? Now, for two years, I've had this, so you can figure out where that is. Get over it. Uh, uh, I got I, I to tell you, I, listen, just forget about it. It's late. We've got food at the house, but you're going to your place. I ain't got enough for everybody. Uh, after, after first service, Pastor Honecker came up. And he was with Sunshine Ministries, he and Bobby, uh, for many years out of Azale, Texas. And, and he, was, he was teaching a seminar on Christ in the home, okay? Just the practical ways, practical living out our Christian walk in the home. And he said he was in this church and he went and the first night, the pastor came up to him, Bill had a mustache, and said the pastor came up and said, uh, uh, said uh, let me just tell you, he said there's a the lady in our church that doesn't hear very well at all. Matter of fact, she reads lips mostly. And she'll be sitting close to the front and she may not, she may not can, can read your lips well with a mustache. If that's a problem, are you willing to, to cut your mustache off? Mustache off. Or are you willing to take it off? And Bill said, quickly, all this flashes through his mind. And he said, quickly, he said, sure. Sure. So the, the second day... She was sitting there, the first day and the second day she was sitting in the second pew, and he goes to her and he says, and he asked her, he said, "Can is this mustache bothering you? I will cut it off if you, if it's hindering what you hear me say." And she said, "No, I can read your lips fine." He said, he "Kept mustache." The freedoms that we have in Christ aren't so we can do what we want to do and tell God to get everybody else right. Okay, I found that those freedoms become an opportunity. For us to serve one another. Let me give you another verse, Romans 14, 13. And Jesus is, gonna, Jesus is modeling this in the fish story. He's modeling this for us. All right, Romans 14, 13. <clears throat> Let's not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this, that no man puts a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Wow. Anybody that's ever been involved in sports, uh, and, then you, and then if you, especially if you've been involved, it doesn't matter if you've been coaching rec league, coaching little league, coaching upward, and I remember before every game, every game, I'd have to pray, Lord, don't let me say or do anything tonight or today that's going to keep people from seeing you. Because sports can make you show your rear end. They, they, can make, they can make you say and do things that you think, man, I wish I had never said that. I wish I had never done that. But it's not only sports, it's life. And Jesus wants us to learn and, and to relax in this and to let him who knows everything and who's able to do everything, who gave up his rights. You say, what do you mean he gave up his rights? Look, look, at, look at this passage in Philippians chapter two. It's, it's about the mind of Christ. King James says, and let this mind which is in Christ be also in you. But let's look at it this way. I think I've got it from the ESV. And that's the extra special version. If you... <laughs> <laughs> Could say extra spiritual. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> so let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now I don't mean... It's, this is not the verse that gives everybody to be a busybody sticking your nose in other people's business. It's just simply saying, we need to be looking out for one another. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is what we should be thinking. Who, this is Jesus, though he was in the form of God, and this is what just blows me away, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I think some translations say to be hung on to. Jesus could have played this this, uh, son of God card. He could have played it here. Hey, go out and tell those people who are wanting tribute, I'm the son of God, I'm free. You know? But he didn't. We don't need to play that card in our life. Hey, I'm free. I've been saved. I can do what I want to do. I can walk the way I want to do it. I can dress the way I want to walk. I can say. No. Jesus said, hey, when you're really free, you're free to serve. Look what he says. He says, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point. In other words... Becoming obedient and to the point means even to obedient. Think about what Jesus said. One time they, they were talking to him and he said, hey, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. Jesus' great rescue mission for mankind was Jesus coming to earth to do what God wanted him to do so that we could be redeemed. Jesus said, uh, God's word says here in Philippians that Jesus became obedient even to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Jesus was willing to lay down his rights, lay down his freedom, lay down his life so that you and I could be free. Not free to do what we want to do, but free to do what we ought to do. To serve Others. well it's drawn to conclusion here this this another uniqueness about this this miracle is uh most of the miracles matter of fact I think all of the ones that I could maybe there's some but most of the miracles in scripture we 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 see the result of the miracle okay I think there ought to be a verse 28 28, verse 28 says, and Peter goes down to the sea, he throws in his hook, he catches a striper, he catches a striper, I don't know, about a 12-pound striper, he gets it out, and then he's taking the hook out of his mouth, lo and behold, there is a silver dollar in his mouth, and everybody looking around, and he takes that silver dollar and goes pays the taxes, and on his way back to the house, there's 20 people fishing at that fishing hole. (laughs) Trying to catch a fish with us because it's a silver dollar in his mouth. You know? I'm, I'm wanting to be verse 28, but we don't have to have a verse 28. We don't have to have that because we know it happened. Why do we know it happened? Huh? Huh? Because Jesus said this is the way it's going to happen. There's a verse. Craig's got it, but you don't have to throw it up there, Craig. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, way over toward the end of that chapter. And the last part of that verse says, and not a word of all that God spoke Failed. You know what that means? That means, what's that old people say? Uh, Jesus said it, I don't know what it is. I believe it, in that, settled. well really it's just Jesus said it, said it, right, and that settles it. God's word has never been subject to uh, a polling. Let's, let's see what people think about this, see if there's enough of them agree, with we'll, nah. And, and, and really, you know, he said this is it, this is what happened. And his word says he loves us, he loves you, he loves me. He knows everything. You say he knows everything about me and he loves me? Yeah. There's, there's things that only my wife knows about me and she loves me. Lord, she told me the other night, she was we trying to go to sleep and she put her arm around me. And, and, and I, you know, I don't know, we're going on it'll be 48 years this June? Next, this week? This. Oh, I, I knew. Whoa. I knew. I knew. Yeah. But, but she, she just put her arm around me and she said, "I really love you." Oh my word! Uh, I thought I thought I was Lord, just take me home. I'm just going. But she said it in such a way, you know. I mean, and listen, she knows things about me that none of that I, I don't want you to ever know. and glory, that would be wiped from your mind. Uh, but there's things. There's probably a few things she don't know that only God knows. She loves me, knowing all this about me. My failures, the times I blow it, the times I try to. But God knows everything. God knows everything about you, and He loves you enough that He would let His Son die in your place. It's a struggle for Caroline May's parents for her, for their daughter to live. Somebody has to die. How do you deal with it? Listen to me. For you to live, for me to live. Jesus had to die, and He did it willingly. He laid down His life because He loves us that much. Wow, wow. Well, that's through. I'm through. I've done preached on fish. I'm craving fish. Well, I know we've got chicken. Barbie's got chicken already ready, and I'm thinking, man, we should have had fish. <laughs> what a story! What a story, but what a, what a lessons in the, in the omniscience of God, the omnipotent of God, and how he serves. He lives always thinking of others. Have you given your heart to him? Have you trusted him? He is the one that can be trusted. You know, we trust people, and I understand that. God wants us to trust people that are dependable and trustworthy, but even the closest friend, Sometimes will hurt you. Unintentionally, I'm sure. But they'll disappoint you. Unintentionally, I'm sure. I don't think God has ever disappointed anybody when you put your faith and trust in him. If you've not done that, it, it'd be a good morning to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word that's true. Every bit is true. And Lord, thank you for, for this lessons this morning. Now, God, as we get ready to, to share the remembrance of your love and life in the communion this morning. I pray that there may be those here this morning that would say, you know what? I, I believe God's word is true. I've believed that. But I've just never really, you say I need to ask him to come into my heart, yeah. I've never done that. You need to do it this morning. You, need to, you just need to humbly and sincerely say, God, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, take away my sins, make me yours. I trust you, I believe you. In Jesus' name. You know, we look at this story of Peter and there were two things that happened. Jesus could have said, I loved, I love doing the magic rock with my grandkids. I've still got that, you know, you take a rock and you, I'm not gonna tell you the secret of my that, but but you know, the rock appears other places. Jesus could have easily said, Hey Peter, take off your cap, and he could have reached in his cap and pulled out the fifty fifty dollar or fifty cent piece or a silver dollar and said, Here, Peter, go pay our hocus pocus, go pay our taxes. He could have done it, he's got to he could have done it that way. But he didn't. He could have easily told Peter, go, go catch a net full of fish and sell them and pay for it. But he didn't. He told Peter, go get a hook. Go catch the first fish, open his mouth. And what did Peter have to do? Jesus could have done everything, but Jesus told Peter to do it. And what happened? Peter had to listen to what Jesus told him to do. And then he had to, who said it? He had to go do that. He had to obey that.